Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. So one of these days there's a book I'm going to write entitled The Things They Don't Teach You in Seminary. Now, we know that there was a whole chapter on what to do in a global pandemic. We're still figuring out how to write that chapter, but no one really prepared me for the thought of leading worship on a snowy Sunday in which there was no musical talent on the staff with you. And we're gonna talk about spiritual gifts, and I don't have the gift of music, and for that, you all, especially those of you here in the sanctuary, should be thankful Those of you online, John Rogers could probably sort of make the microphone fail, uh, and therefore you wouldn't have to listen to me singing. So it's a little different worship service today. But as we ponder worship, as we pray, as we hear the word read and proclaimed, let us give thanks for those who have the gift to share God's glory through music and how much we miss it when we aren't able to receive it in worship. Hear with me now the words of the Lord out of Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning this, brothers and sisters, I want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray that idols could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let God be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the work of miracles, to another the prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another the various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we gather to worship We gather to worship in our homes in the sanctuary. We are able to look out our window and see the beauty of creation, the gift that you have given us today with just simple brushstrokes, fresh and new. All the world seems clothed in a different kind of splendor. But as we hear your word, may it clothe our hearts with a different kind of splendor so that we too, like the landscape outside, might be transformed for all the world to see. 
that you are doing a new creation in us. And that we are not just mere hearers of your word, but that we are doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So the Epiphany Day was just 10 days away. That's why we're in the season of Epiphany. And remember, Epiphany marks when the wise men came and they found the Holy Family and they came bearing gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, you know, frankincense is this oil that is aromatic and for, at times, was used to sort of cleanse homes of evil spirits. Myrrh was a rare perfume used for the anointing and of of priests and kings. And gold, well, gold is still gold all these years later, still has great value. And so we're tempted to think when the wise men bring their gifts and they lay them before the Christ child, which one brought the best gift? I think that's the wrong question altogether. I think what we really need to realize is they brought the finest of gifts. But this idea of the best gift, it's a question that's as old as time. I mean, if you think about the gifts that you received over your lifetimes, which ones were the best ones? Is it based on the shiniest of gifts or the most expensive or the luxurious, the most sentimental, the homemade gift? How do we quantify which is the best gift? The reality of this to me is that the best gift is the one that is given, period. Plain and simple. The one that is given that we have been gifted with. As Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, he's addressing a whole plethora of issues that is facing this church. I mean, Corinth is sort of right there. It's sort of the intersection of Europe and Asia and Asia Minor. And it's right there where the church has these vast cultural influences within it. And the people bring in their different ideas and ideals from their cultures, but also from the different religions with them. And so as they are converting over to Christianity following this Christ child, Paul's challenge is to break down their previous religious practices, break down their cultures, and to teach the goodness of God's kingdom. And the idea of the power of a Christian community. What it means to be gathered together as a church. So here in our teaching today is a series on sort of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Paul is talking about the giftedness that God has given to us. And in a sense, he is resetting expectations. He's sort of drawn a line in the sand, if you will. And he leads with these very important words concerning spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be uninformed. That's a long way of saying, hey, y'all, pay attention. But he says that it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can claim Christ in our lives. It's only by God's grace that we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so this idea of gifts and giftedness, that they all stem from the Holy Spirit. So Paul lays open the truth for all of us to read about the idea of spiritual gifts. One, that no one gift is better. None of all the, of all the spiritual gifts, there isn't a primacy amongst them. 
The second, that there's a gift for every one of us. And third, the gifts that we receive from God have got to be used for the good of the community, for the good of the world. So in verse 4, Paul sets all this teaching up. He says this idea of the sameness, the equal value of it, and he sort of does this in a Trinitarian map. He says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but the same God activates them in all of us. I love the idea that that we see these gifts There's a variety of them, but they all come from the same source. They come from God. So think about giving and think about this in your life. Do you have that relative or that friend that always gives you the best gifts, the perfect gift? I mean, maybe it's someone that spends time really thinking about it. They're really, they're intentional, they're shopping. They sort of look at you and they have you on your list and they think, ooh. As I go through the year, I'm going to look for the gift for this person. And so it really doesn't matter what you unpack. When you see their gift on the table with their name, your name on the tag from them, you get excited because you know it's going to be the right gift because they've spent time investing in it, thinking about you, thinking about the gift that would be perfect for you. That's what Paul's saying about spiritual gifts. It's the same reason why we look at this relative or this friend that gives us the right gift and we get excited because we know the intentionality by which they have chosen the gift for us. God does the same thing with spiritual gifts. Our spiritual gifts are magnificent because they come from God who created, redeemed, and sustains us, but they come for God for all of us. What makes it right is it's the gift chosen for you. See, the gift you have is specifically picked out just for you. Your spouse may have something different. Your friend may have something else. Your brother may have something. Your sister may have a completely different set of gifts. But the gift you have is the best gift for you because it was chosen for you by God. It's a treasure, if you will. The English theologian Charles Spurgeon, he writes these words that God never loses sight of the treasure that he has placed in our earthen vessels. What he means is that God never loses sight of the gift that he's given you. The gift that was chosen just for you. So when we think of this idea of spiritual gifts and what has God given to us, that's what matters most, that God has given us something very specific. And I think about that and I think about this idea of receiving a gift from God and that it's the best because it is from God, but thinking about how we've all got them. You know, years ago, Oprah sort of busted on the scene and captured everybody's attention with Oprah's giveaway. You know, that's the one where you want a car, you want a car, you want a car. Guess what? You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. And I'm over in the corner going, where's my car? But the reality is when it comes to this, Paul writes in verse 7, that God gives gifts to every one of us. So guess what? You want a gift? You got a gift. You want a gift? You got a gift. You want a gift? You've got a gift. See, we get all of these gifts, and he goes later on in the verses to talk about them, whether they're gifts of speaking wisdom or speaking knowledge or faith or healing or miracles or prophecy or discernment 
or speaking or interpreting tongues or many of the other gifts that we have been given in our lives, each of us have a gift. No one is left out. And the gift that we are given is specifically chosen for us. Billy Graham writes that some people have a warped idea of living the Christian life. They see talented and successful Christians and they attempt to imitate them. See, because for these people, grass is greener on the other side of the fence. But when they discover that their own gifts are different or that their contributions are more modest or maybe even unseen, they collapse in discouragement and they overlook the genuine opportunities that are open to them. We have forgotten that we are here to serve Christ not ourselves. See, that's the deal with the gift. Each of us has been given one, and just as we start to sort of line up and compare, the reality is we need to stop doing that because all of the gifts are chosen specifically for us for a situation that God sees. And it's not about what someone else got and we didn't get. It's really about what we do with what we have that we are blessed to be a blessing to others and for the world around us, and that we're here to use those gifts to serve God in God's kingdom. So the rest of verse 7 says that not only has each of us been given a gift, but we must use it for the common good. I love the way Paul phrases that. Use for the common good, not just for the good of the church, not just for the betterment of ourselves, but for all the world. I mean, that's our witness I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road in life, that the gifts come from God and they're the best gifts and we've each got one, then we can't just hold it to ourselves. We've got to use it for everyone else. Francis Weller says, deep in our bones lies an intuition that we arrive here carrying a bundle of gifts to offer to the community. Over time, these gifts are meant to be seen and developed and called into the village in times of need. To feel valued for the gifts that we are to with, from which we are born affirms our worth and our dignity. And as a sense, it's a form of spiritual employment where we're to realize our place in the fabric of the community. And we're to give our gifts so that the fabric is strong and brilliant and bright. So sometimes people want to pigeonhole us in our gifts. I remember a few years ago in one of my churches, we had a banker that joined the church and everybody got excited about him being in the church and said, this is great. He's going to be wonderful for our, for our finance committee. And they tasked me with going to him and asking me if he would serve on finance. And I said, so Charlie, are you interested in serving on the finance committee? He goes, can I be honest with you? Now, friends, when someone from the church asks you a question, please be honest with us. Don't tell us a story. I said, by all means, be honest. And he said, I got to be honest with you. I hate spreadsheets. A banker who hates spreadsheets. He says, banking is just what I do to pay the bills. And if you need me to serve on finance, if you have to have me serve on it, I'll do it. But I would really rather do something else So I took the bait. I said, okay, 
If you could do anything in the church, what do you want to do? He says, you know, I do banking all day long. I do the spreadsheets. I don't like them. But what I really like is I like developing people. I like helping people find out their talents. I like mentoring people. You know what I would really like to do? I would really like to work with our Boy Scout troop. Everybody that wanted him on the finance committee was really disappointed until they saw what happened to the scout troop. Developed it. The boys excited about scouting. The boys becoming the men that scouting wanted them to be. The men that adopted that scout law and lived it out. And so his gift of mentoring was put on the table for the community. For the common good of us all. Sure, he could have helped the finance committee, but there were enough people that could do that. But his story, it's not always obvious what our gifts are. It's not what we see on the surface. Ooh, a banker would be perfect for finance. Ooh, a teacher would be perfect to teach in Sunday school. Yeah, they could do that. But maybe there's a gift that God has given you that's not apparent to the rest of us. And so what I want you to do, what I want to challenge you to do this week is to listen in your heart, to pray about it, what God has given you, what excites you, what energizes you. I want you to look in the bulletin. I want you to go to our website, go on the Engage tab. I want you to look in the Tuesday happenings and see the opportunities that are available here at the church where we could use your gift to make a difference for the common good, not only of the church, but the community around us. And if you don't see what you're looking for in the bulletin on the website or the Tuesday happenings, call Meg or call me. We will help you find the place to use your gift. Because the village has a need for it. Our community has a need for it. That's the beauty of these gifts from God. They're not to be kept to ourselves, but used for the good of us all. So when I think of Epiphany, I think of the wise men, I think of their gifts. Which one brought the best gift? That doesn't matter. What they brought was a gift fit for a king. And that's why the gold, the frankincense, or the myrrh were the best. See, my friends, we have received a gift from God, and it's the best because it is from God. But as we look within our hearts to realize it, as we look within our hearts to discover and to name it, as we look in our heart, let's figure out where we're going to use it and let us, like the wise men, offer the finest of that gift back to the Christ child, back to the world around us. So as we're still in the new year, the new part of the year, figuring out how life rolls forward, trying to make a difference to be better than we were last year. I challenge all of us, look in your hearts. Seek the gift that God has given you and then offer it up for the world around us to build God's kingdom right where we are. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.
Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.